All right, game's away, fellas. Okay. Well, introduce us. Should we call this like um, Guitar Wake After Hours or yeah. Drunk? Drunk. This is gonna be drunk, get drunk guitar drunk podcast. Guitar wank. All right, I'll give us an introduction. Introduce us, no. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to Guitar Wank Podcast. This is the after hour sessions. We just come back from having a lovely meal in uh, the No Ho area. And now we're having some lovely... No, I, no, I specifically saw some. What? Oh. <laughs> you said the no-ho area. There was plenty of ho there. <laughs> there was a few hoes in the no-ho area. We're having a lovely drop. Uh, we've got some scotch and whiskey being... We're, we're, we're waiting for our next sponsor to come on board for the whiskey scotch. Oh, of. who would that be? Oh, I don't know. We could take it anyway. Anybody could work. You know... That's good. Johnny Walker, Jack Daniel, who cares? Doesn't matter. We're not Well, it does matter. Well, but, but you know, then again. It won't be Bud Light. That's for sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you need something you want to tell us about? I don't need Bud Light in my Mila life. Kunis is a sponsor for some alcohol company, isn't she? Who? I mean, a, an actress that that, you know, Mila Kunis. Oh, what you what you call a, me? She's a she's a I can't remember the company now. Is it's not Jack Daniels? I don't think. I think it's it's not Jim Beam. She's a spokesman for may, may, might be a spokeswoman. She does those commercials for Jim Beam. Yeah, she does those commercials. This is a yeah. hell of a way to start a podcast. Yeah, yeah. let's start over another way. Uh, this is not. Am, we, right, am I right. redoing the whole intro? Redoing again? the whole intro. Do it again. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> just erase that and start no, again. Don't erase it. Just start. No, because no, 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 then you have to edit oh, it. No, I won't edit that. That'll oh. go in. This what? is going. We're going live. This is we're streaming. This is live. No, it isn't. Yeah, it's live. I didn't tell you guys. It's I just live. wanted to throw it's it like out. You can't even say live. You can't even say it's live. Not like live. Okay, Erase no, that live. shit. It's live. <laughs> Erase that shit. You'll just have to wonder what it is and listen to it no, later. No, I know where it's at. I've okay. got it. I've got it worked out. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there's no ladies listening to this. I don't even know why I say that. No, no, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, guys. Welcome to another Guitar Wing podcast. Here we are with, I feel like I should call you Sir Bruce. Why? Sir Bruce. Why? Have I done anything of noble uh, Wait, I, ab- I guess nobilities? anyone that's older than me, I feel like I should. Oh, yeah. Just Bring that up. The, yeah. old, the age card. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bruce Foreman, Dizzy Gillespie is one of the people you played with. Yes, well, yes. One of, I've played with Dizzy Gillespie, that's true. That's, that's pretty badass. I can I love prove that. it. And uh, Mr. Scott Henderson, who got a call from Miles Davis and said, nah, Miles, I got better shit to do. What's <laughs> up, <Sup>, bitch? <laughs> Isn't that pretty much how, much, how that went down? Miles, I got better shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> Was it play with Dizzy? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just, did, after you had that conversation with Miles Davis, did you hang, what did you, after that phone call, what, did, what were you thinking? How much fun it would be to play with Joe. 
<laughs> Honestly, I didn't give a fuck. Really? Just no, didn't... hell no. I'm not one of those career fucking bitches who <laughs> cares about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you know, everybody says, yeah, you played with Korea. That was probably good for your career. Yeah, I guess it probably was. But but if I really cared about my career, I would have stayed and played another five or six years with them. Right. That would have made me a lot more money and probably made me a lot more famous. But. It was such a sucky gig, and I hated it so much that I, I wanted to bail. You know, so I'm not really into. I wouldn't have played with Miles if it would just been just to say that I played with Miles Davis. Right. That's kind of a bullshit reason to play with the man. You know, I mean, I respect the hell out of him, but I just didn't like what he was doing at that at particular that time. time in his career. And you had another yeah. offer. And I had another offer to play with somebody who I really would enjoy playing with. So, so it 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 was a no brainer. Right. Yeah. Well, that felt that felt good. Um, yeah. Uh, now, Bruce. I love Miles Davis, man. I wish I could have played in the band when he had, uh, you know, either Stern or Schofield. That was a fun. Uh, era for Miles, you know, that kind of comeback with electric guitar and playing those kind of cool tunes, groove tunes. That would I would have enjoyed that. That was fun. But uh, I don't think I would have enjoyed the Cindy Lauper tunes and the and, and the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there was this guy, I don't remember his name, but he was running around on stage kind of like David Lee Roth. And um, I, was, I was just picturing myself up there and going, God, I don't think I would really dig this. Like Eddie Van Halen does on a regular basis. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then then I heard stories about him pouring beer on beers on guys' heads on stage, and I'm like, well, if if you pour beer on that guy, you would probably pour one on me too. So I don't think I need that. So it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Nah. It's good. The Dizzy thing. How did the Dizzy thing? Well, you know, I played with Dizzy. I was never really officially in his band, but we played. I played a little tour with him on the West Coast. He came out. Also, I was the all-star guitar player for the Monterey Jazz Festival for a number of years. Right. And at that time, we're talking late 70s, early mostly early in the 80s, uh, they would bring out guys like Dizzy Gillespie, Clark Terry, Sweets Edison, and, and we. I was in a rhythm section with Shelly Mann and Hank Jones and Andy Simpkins, and then after that with uh, Al Plank and Vince Laudiano. And Larry Grenadier was actually in that, too, when he was real young. And we would back up a lot of guys who didn't come out with a band, like Stan Getz and those kind of guys. So a lot of those years, I would play with those guys at the festival, but also they'd have little tours in California when they came out, and I'd do that as well. So most of my work with Diz was little short tours on the West Coast. Diz. It was was Dizzy. It wasn't... um, (laughs) Like it wasn't days. like being in the band. He had guys like Rodney Jones, Al Gaffa first, and Rodney Jones, and then um, and Ed Cherry. They were in the they were in the band for long periods of time. I I didn't really. Did you did you guys hang? I mean, what's it? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Well, Diz was Dizzy was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, he was a real cut up and really a, a big huge personality musically and otherwise. Right. And uh, of course. For a person like me who idolized the music of Bebop and Charlie Parker and, and when Dizzy played with him, uh, it was just an amazing, it's like, you, I mean, I don't know, imagine being able to hang with your biggest idol yeah, and then get to work with them. It's, it was life-changing. Boy, you, when you think about it, we're a couple lucky guys. Yeah. I mean, because we've both experienced that. Like Joe, for me, was just, 
it for me. He's not only as, a, as, as an improviser, but as a composer, just one of the all-time great musicians of this century. And to the be able to century, hang around, yeah, century. you're right. We're in a new, but you know, just to hang out with him and tell jokes with him, and and uh, and just to listen to him play every night and and uh, be a part of the band, it's really an incredible experience uh, when you're such a fanboy before going in. Yeah, right. And you get to know the guy as a real person, as as the real man, you know that he that he really is, and that he's funny as hell, and isn't all uh, what you. have thought it could possibly be in a bad way because everybody thinks that yeah you think oh yeah you heard a million stories about how you worship somebody and when you meet him you hate his guts and after the first week and with joe is the opposite it's like you go in there and like not only is this guy's amazing musician but he's fun fun to hang out with that's yeah killer. and that was that's killer man that's that's a really fun time that's why i stayed in the band for four years yeah and i had my own thing to do and I knew that, oh man, I got to get this tribal thing up, uh, tribal tech thing off the ground someday. But this is such a fun gig. I hate to leave it. And, and it was a hard decision to, to, to leave that and start my own thing because the money dropped considerably. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the amount of work dropped considerably. But I had to make a start, and everybody does that. Like, okay. Sooner or later, you do your own thing. Yep. But that sure was a fun sideman gig. Wow. So, and, and Dizzy, did Dizzy, did he sit around and did he talk about Charlie Parker and those guys? Oh, yeah, guys he talked and, about Bird some. And, yeah. Uh, but more, you know, more, I heard more about Bird from, I, I was fortunate to, um, to hang out with Chan Parker, Bird's ex-wife or widow, I guess, um, in France when I was young. I kind of got to live with her for about two weeks when I was playing in Paris. Wow. And uh, there was a lot more stories about Bird from her perspective. Dizzy, Dizzy was more just having fun, and we were kind of, by the time I played them, like I say, it was the 80s, so a lot of time had passed since Dizzy's playing with Bird, and his music had changed quite a bit. So um, he was very insightful he was kind of, a lot of the jazz musicians by that time were kind of, had an attitude about him because he was such a great entertainer too, and he loved to have fun, and he, li he liked to play certain kinds of tunes that a lot of the jazz players kind of didn't really think was particularly challenging or whatever. So there was kind of a little bit of an attitude in the world, but man, when Diz played, it was like, it was it was happening. Those people are just stupid. You know, it's like, here's a man who's done all that in music and wants to do this now. Right. And everybody wants to judge it through their own personal aesthetic rather than, you know, just letting the guy be creative and tell his story. It was It was very insightful on that level to how strong he was and to how happy he was and to... Uh, you know, like, yeah, you young kids, you do what you want. I'm going to do this. You yeah. Know? And uh, How old was he then? Well, he was most of, I think he died in his mid-60s. I'm not exactly sure. So he must have been around that. It was, it was about a good four years, five years before he passed. But he was a real great, fun, <clears throat> insightful guy. And, uh Yeah. Joe used to tell stories about those same guys too because you don't think of him 
as being a bebop guy, but he was. Sure. You know, back back when, <laughs> so he knows he knew all those guys, man, all of them, and told lots of stories about them. And that was always fun to hear about those cats because you don't think of him as a guy who played with those guys, but Cannonball and all this. All yeah, he was in Cannonball's so, band. He's sure, on that, that record of Mercy Mercy. Yeah, he's you know? he was playing bebop many 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 years before he before he uh, formed Weather Report with Wayne. So he's in that whole whole group of guys that he would talk about that he jammed with and played with. Didn't necessarily record or, or work with them, but so many jam sessions, he played with just about everybody. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it was, was different really cool. back then. Played with Miles. Record dates yeah. were actually, um, and recordings, were actually things people planned for and didn't cost a lot of money. Instead of like now, every time you play, you're on YouTube or somebody records you on something. That it wasn't ubiquitous back then. Guys were playing with each other all the time and best friends with everybody, and there's no documentation of it because there's not a bunch of people too busy recording it with their phone to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, but that, really, let's face it. Today, you can't fart without it being on Facebook. <laughs> and by the way, this cranky farting noise I'm making oftentimes is because I'm on a leather couch and it creaks. It's, I'll yeah, let you know. I'll let yeah, you know. right. I'll let, no, I'll be, I'll be proud to own my utterances of the gaseous type when they do happen. I used to be called gaseous clay, but uh, then I changed it to uh, Muhammad Jolly. <laughs> changed so much like for me sitting here and thinking about those times and what you guys went through it does kind of sound very romantic and just like oh that was the cool time now it's it's just changed so much the gigs aren't there it doesn't seem it's anything like that it's just changed so much well, I mean, d d don't over-romanticize it. We, I didn't play... I mean, I did, yeah. There were a lot of gigs where we'd do six nights a week or be on the road for a lot, but there were a lot of nights without gigs. Mm. You know, there was... It was. It's funny. I, I, I talked to my students, and I will talk about places that I played, like uh, the Village Vanguard. <clears throat> and whenever I say that, you can see these glazed eyes looking at me, like I'm talking about the Sistine Chapel or something. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't have the heart almost to tell them, well, listen, it's a dingy little bar in New York. It's downstairs. It's got a little weird shape to it. The subway runs right by one of the walls, and it holds about 65 people, maybe 80 or 100 people, you know, if you pack them in. This thing you're thinking of is, is probably some amazing tech, you know, like nowadays, because a, a really heavy club has all the sound system stuff here and these lights there. Mm -hmm. And the Vanguard is just a funky corner bar where they started having music in there. And of course, it's New York City and all the best jazz musicians were playing gigs. So it just became this sort of iconic jazz place. And there were numerous times where I've been in there 
just like the place I listened in Keystone Corner, which was kind of weird. It was a little bit like a concert place, but a small concert bar. It was a very boxy kind of place with sort of bench seating. It was not in any ways posh or elegant or what you'd imagine. There were numerous times where I'm hearing people like Ross Roland Kirk and Art Blakey and George Benson and Jimmy Smith and Bill Evans. And they're 15, 18, <laughs> 22, 40 people in the room. That's not weird, man. Yeah. And so we can romanticize about how it was, but <laughs> we, you know, it's, it's better to be honest. Mm. It was never been easy. This music's always been kind of underground ever since it split with popular music. And creative people are doing it because they love it and people who really have a taste for it search it out. And if we build a community, that's what it's about. So I hate to shoot down your romantic <laughs> notions. All right, the drugs are better. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, well, I got to admit that I'm not up to what's happening on the drug scene today, so no. I can't comment. I know. I'm sure the drugs are better back then. But, um, <laughs> what's a joke? I can't remember. And if you can remember, then you weren't doing them. No, that's right. I just remember hearing all the stories with um, some of the session cats in LA, maybe back in, maybe it was the 80s, like... Lukather, I just heard names like Lukather and those Toto guys and the amount of cocaine were on sessions and Oh yeah. Those, yeah. those well, were the days speak, where you didn't do a session unless right. there was coke involved. Right. right. Sure. Well speaking of which, you know, I the other day I saw this documentary on drugs. <laughs> and, you know, in my opinion, that's the best way to watch a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we, we were talking about road stories. Oh man, don't get me started. <laughs> All right, I want, I want to get you started. Get you started. Go. Get you started. Oh, just, just God, so many, so many road stories. Ridiculous. Are oh, you going to talk about um, was it Kirkland County? Who was it? Kurt. Oh, somebody just wanted to know what I think of Kirk's drumming. And I mean, you know, of course, <laughs> Kirk's a phenomenal drummer. And, you know, everybody that's heard him on the Tribal Tech well, records knows. It must have knows. been a drummer that wanted to know that. Yeah, right? it must have been a drummer. <laughs> yeah, well, he's incredible, man. He's, he's, a, he's really super uh, big ears, you know. And, and some of that comes from a, like lot, a, of these, or? a lot of these... Really amazing drummers also play keyboards or guitar. You know, like like Kirk's a Kirk's a uh, a keyboard player first, actually. Oh Drummer second. Kirk knows any tune you can name. He can play it on the piano. What I'm talking about, you can't stump him. You name a tune from the '40s, the '50s, the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, the '90s. He can play it. Yeah. Or if he doesn't know it, he has a chart for it. <laughs> Yeah, he you, you can you know he's a casuals guy, goes to casuals, plays all by himself, or sometimes he has a girl singing with him, and I'll say, well, Kirk, what if I wanted you to play, uh, um, you know that what is that Neil what's his name song about America, Feelings? you know <laughs> Neil Neil Diamond Neil Diamond yeah yeah what is that song America coming to, to America. America and he he'll say well that that's a 60 right there that's <laughs> you got to pay 60 for me to do that what if I want like uh 
some, uh, you know, what if I want fifth dimension? What if I want up, up in my beautiful balloon? Oh, that's a 70. <laughs> I see. He'll do him, it. He's got him worked out in decades. He'll do it. Yeah, no, he'll no, do it. No, he's got him worked out for how much for How cost. much money? Oh. That's a $70 tune. What if I want some uh, Michael McDonald? You know, and he'll do his Michael McDonald imitation, imitation, which is scary good. Wow. Sounds just like him. He'll go, anything by Michael McDonald is 100 bucks. <laughs> so, I, like, I like this guy. So, but anyway. It's glad to know that the guy has his art form in the right. You know, yeah, but the, the guy, the right you, know, like, you know, because he is a great musician and he, and he plays and he knows all this music, He's got just—he's got good ears, and 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 it and it, sh and it shows in his drumming and in his in his playing. He's very musical. Now, the bad side of Kirk, <laughs> and there is a bad side, but it's a funny side. Yeah. Kirk is used to being the front man because he's basically made his living playing keyboards. So he's used to sort of being out in the front, and everybody's a pay paying attention to him, and he's the center of attention. Now, on the records. He really knows how to groove and lay it down because he knows that Willis will kill him if he doesn't. And, <laughs> and so they really lock up tight and they're really great on the records. But sometimes Kirk can get like, you know, live. He, he, he was sort of like, okay, I'm a little bit bored in this support role. Like I'm used to being a band leader. So sometimes Kirk would want to really express himself and anytime someone would play a rhythmic idea, Kirk would want to be part of that too. Like, just be a team, you know, you just want to really be inside the music instead of sometimes supporting it, right? right? I don't blame him a bit because that's what I would want to do if I was Kirk. That's his personality. It's his personality because, you know, he's a strong band leader and he has strong ideas. So a lot of times when some of the tunes kind of needed a groove, he really wanted to be with the musicians and play against them. And sometimes it got to the point where it was a little overkill sometimes. But still great, yeah. you know. But sometimes we would say, well, Kirk, you know, when you do your casuals, <laughs> we're noticing that you don't hire guys with a lot of chops. You hire uh, these guys that just pretty much are super groove drummers. Why is that, Kirk? <laughs> and we'd say, like, we'd always try to imagine, like, Kirk hiring himself for a casual and we'd say he would fire himself in a heartbeat and the thing is is even Kirk thinks that's funny because he knows it's true right? he'd fire himself in 10 seconds <laughs> but it's just funny that he has those two sides but he's a he's a great musician man one yeah. of the best musicians I've played with monster drummer and everybody loves him plus he's so crazy you know he's nuts yeah, I love and, that. And he's a great person, man, and just a funny guy, fun hang. So, yeah, everybody loves Kurt. Bruce, you must, you're going to have some road stories playing with some... God, yeah, you know, I've spent a good part of my life out there. I can't really think of any. We get on a subject, and I'm sure... I know, and then you draw blanks. Yeah, right. You know, I, I mean, I start, I start coming up with them, but, uh, you know... Yeah. The most annoying thing about traveling nowadays for you guys? The worst part of traveling now is the air, airplanes and the airports oh, yeah. and getting getting in and out of airplanes, you know. I Glorified mean, bus. It's basically right. a bus, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a Greyhound it's bus. It's hard, on, you know, in the air. dealing with carrying the guitar on the plane, even though the new law, came, supposed law, came in effect. But that's only for the states. It doesn't apply and in even Europe. Then, even then, it's like if they feel like, you know, you can't, because ever since 9-11 and security and stuff, you cannot really disagree 
or argue with anybody in an airport or raise your voice or anything. And so that's a big part of it. Of course, you're, you know, just it's just uncomfortable. You, it's, you it's, guys haven't had your guitars put in oh, horrible situations times, and it's come times. out bad? Never Not had anything bad. bad happen to the guitar, but I have, a, I have an SKB case. Yeah. So even if they check it, it's not going to get hurt. But I still take it on the plane, yeah. and it always fits in the overhead, yeah. and I never have a problem. Well, yeah, I'm, so, it's not so, the same with a not for you. battle axe. Because yeah, like you've got. got a big, thick guitar. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but no, I carry it in a Carlton case, which is another one. There's a couple of companies that make really good cases that you could check your guitar in them. Carlton is one. Hoffy is another. These are really seriously good cases that for, for you know... 99 out of 100 times easily, whatever the airlines is going to dish out, you got covered. But then again, you know, some security guy doesn't close the latches. It gets lost somewhere. There's all this stuff. So I usually, even in the heavy case, I'll carry it to the plane and try and get it on. And then if, you know, which is way too big. And so they'll just say, no, you got to gate check it, which means at least I can hand it to somebody. They'll take it down the plane, put it on. They'll bring it right back to me when I get where I'm going. And, and I've minimized a lot of its exposure to mostly theft and uh, bad handling. Yeah, and even the temperature that deals oh, with Oh, the temperature is what it is, but yeah. you know, it's, I mean, these, the other thing is, you know, guitars are not as fragile as you'd like to think they are. Yeah. I mean, there's 175 pounds of pressure on the bridge with the kinds of strings I'm using. Yeah. That's like me practically standing on the face of my guitar. But so, there are a lot of guys that have had their guitars broken. Yes, oh, yeah. generally speaking, I fight them to the. To generally the speaking, the guitars that get broken are mahogany necks with the Gibson style. They're Gibsons, yeah. Gibson style, yeah. you know, because the headstock goes up, and then right. angles. Yeah, yeah. And it's that right where the nut is is the, yeah. is the weak spot, and a good shock will, especially a, a mahogany it. neck, because yeah. it's real yeah. soft splintery wood, will break there. Um, the L5 I have is, is a laminate, is a three-piece maple neck. And, of course, a Strat is just, I mean, you've seen, the Reunion Blues has this case that they threw a, a guitar off a four-story building in a gig bag, like the gig bag I have, twice, and it made it. Wow. It was totally cool. And then once it landed flat on the headstock, but it was a Strat. Yeah. I mean, I think you could have thrown the Strat off a four-story building without the case, <laughs> and it would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> Worst scenarios I've had have been with overweight, arguing with the airlines about overweight, which sort of, when you fly every day, it becomes like, okay, wake up, drink a cup of coffee, and go to the airport and have a knockdown, drag out fight with some motherfucker behind the, yeah. the desk. And this happens daily. So me being a fairly, you know, peaceful guy who doesn't like to argue, I had to get used to that for, and now I'm used to it. What but was, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to fight. Europe? anywhere just because you're carrying gear uh you know that that they want to charge you as much as they possibly can yeah. get from you and then you have to you have to bar and, and you know anybody who says that you just do what they say that's not true no you definitely. fight them you fight you them all fight the, them all the way yep. you know uh you fight them in, until in fact in the old days before they discovered that they couldn't do this anymore they would actually check the luggage onto the flight and then bill you for it which is a huge mistake because i got over on the airlines many times by waiting until the end of the flight being some of the last guys i'm sorry the first guys to board the flight 
get in there as soon as the gate opens, get your gear on the plane, start and then take as much time up as you possibly can, right? And then start arguing about the money. And then when they and, and, and then you tell them, "Okay, sorry, but we're not going to pay that much. So tell your guys to go on the plane and get all <laughs> our stuff off." And rather than do that, they would just, okay, all right. You had it worked out. You, we did have it worked out. And we got away with that actually quite a few times. But then they changed it. And yep. they just said, okay, we're not even going to take this gear until you pay us. for. They weigh it, and then you pay. And if you don't pay, you don't take it on the flight. Yeah. But, but you still have to fight them. And a lot of times, it's who is working behind the desk that particular day. If you get a nice person who's willing to work with you and say, ah, oh, you know, you guys are musicians. I like you guys. You know, you'd be real nice to them. And we used to go, eeny, miny, mo, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Who looks like the nicest one of all these girls here? And it's like, oh, she looks like she's in a good mood today. <laughs> Let's you pick her. You flirt like hell. Yeah, you just try to do anything you can yeah. to be sweet. And then, can you please give us a break? And then you kind of break into tears and you go, we're just poor musicians and we we'll never be able to finish this tour if we don't get this. You know? and, 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 you know, they just, they want to help you. Yeah. So they'll shave, sometimes they'll cut the price in half. Now, I remember one time in Moscow, uh, we, did you blow you know, someone? Is that what you did? What's that? Did you blow someone? Not that I can remember, <laughs> but there was, there was, a, there was a, a time in Moscow where we had been paying around five to six hundred dollars per our gear per flight. Wow. These people wanted to charge us seventeen hundred Aeroflot. Oh, yeah, Aeroflot. Right? I've flown so that so I many said, times. So I said, fine, no problem, because I knew I couldn't fight with them. Because forget about it, yeah. you know. So I just said, um, yeah, fine. Here's my visa, seventeen hundred bucks. So when I got home, I called Visa, said we've been ripped off by an airline, and I sent Visa every single claim for for the normal amount of gear. And Visa said, yeah, they're ripping you off. They charged you way more than they should have, and you don't have to pay. And we never did. Oh, that's good. Because Visa stood up for me because they knew that Aeroflot was ripping me off. Such a bitch of an so, airline. So, yeah, yeah. But I didn't have to pay a dime. That's good. But that was, yeah. I don't think that would work every now time. The, now that you realize <laughs> the KGB is going to come get yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Don't get but, Yeah, that whole overweight thing, man. Yeah. I read on a website, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I read on a website where, where, yeah. But <laughs> some people have confirmed this. They said that a, a flight from L.A. to New York... With no luggage, if the if the flight was full but there was no luggage, the flight would lose money. And the reason the the way they make their money is from the luggage and the drinks and every all oh, the other okay. charges because now they're charging you seventy five bucks a suitcase for your first suitcase, right? So that's really? seventy five yeah seventy five dollars on on a on a United flight, and everyone on the plane plane is is paying seventy five dollars. So there's a big amount of money they're making right there plus they're selling movies selling drinks selling this selling that that's how they're making money yeah more than the more than on the tickets because the tickets are actually coming down a little bit but not um, enough but yeah, yeah not enough know, right but they are making so, a lot of money yeah, by but i yeah. mean i get my yeah. first bag free because i'm you know whatever i have yeah, cool the card but i thought it was less than that no, it's like thirty. It's like United, United is seventy-five bucks now for for the, the first bag. for your first bag, seventy-five. And bucks I get that free. So on a, the on second flight, one was yeah. like thirty. Yeah, I just because I just did it, you know. Yeah, and then if you have a, it, you know, if you have something that's overweight, I mean, Travis. I remember we just flew to Europe, and Travis had 
his base, which is checked, and he has his pedal board, little, little anvil case for his pedal board, and his suitcase. And they charge him four hundred and fifty dollars. What to fly from LA to, to Europe? Holy four hundred and fifty bucks because two items were overweight. Uh, Not overweight by that much, but no. just uh, uh, overweight uh, enough uh, to call it overweight. His suitcase was overweight, huh? His, no, mean, his suitcase wasn't overweight, but his base and his. But a base. His, what is your? What is your? Yeah, but it's it's two extra he's items. Got that's it, why. He's got and it's two extra items, and he's got his base in a real big. You know, I told Travis, I said you probably should try to to to, to modernize your base case because that is pretty heavy. Oh, it's an it's an anvil. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, an the anvil case, yeah. and they're yeah. heavy, you know. But but yeah, man. I mean, four hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny thing because the last trip to Europe, I don't know how they did this, but they got us tickets from L.A. to Stockholm for three hundred dollars. That's wow. an amazing price. That's the cheapest I've ever flown to Europe for. Three hundred bucks was my ticket, and on a brand new plane that wasn't with returned. tons it was of one way, huh? One way. Well, it's always a return, but maybe we didn't use the second half of the return. Wow. You know, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, three hundred bucks from LA to Stockholm, which is about the cheapest. So when you think about it, Travis's gear cost more than the flight. flight. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how many times I get on a plane, the flight attendant says "Uh, that won't fit. You'll have to check it, and I just she doesn't. I ignore him. Right, you ignore him. I always get there. Here's the thing to do: don't ever let the people checking you in see your axe. That's it. You don't even. You get your friend to hide it somewhere away from them because as soon as they see it they're going to try to get you to oh, check it because yeah. they want to make more money yeah so you hide it then you go through security and you get to the gate and the people at the gate don't give a shit no they're just like oh yeah you know they never say anything or if they give me. you that that tag to take it down the runway and give it to the person before you get on i just rip yeah. the tag off well me too uh, but i never get they never get the tag because they never see my guitar yeah my guitar is always over there by the coke machine you know, with somebody watching it, and I'm checking in, and the, the, the people checking me in never see my guitar. Mm. And then I go through security, and then when I go up to the gate, I walk right on the plane, and no one ever says anything. Yeah. You know, and the only, the only times that anyone has ever said to me, that's not going to fit on the plane, are the idiots who are taking the money for, are the, the, the check-in idiots, yeah. because they're just dumb shits. Yeah. Right. The flight crew knows that it'll fit on the plane, <laughs> but the people checking it, they, they probably know too, but they just want your money. Yeah. Yeah. So don't let them see your guitar. Just hide it. Damn it. <laughs> Damn you, airlines. <laughs> yeah. Lots of airlines stories. Man. Yeah, but you know, I I do know of people who carry their soft case, and then, you know, you don't get you don't manage to get on a plane in time, mm-hmm. and it's all full. Oh, yeah, and then yeah, they you, check it. You do need to get on early so that right. you can get it on there, so people can stack stuff on right. top. Right, and of if it they decide to hassle you about it, there's like nothing you really can do. No, no you know, in Asia, the thing about Asia is they won't let guitars on the plane in Asia. Period. Oh, you wow. you can't. No, they just don't. Right, but the cool thing about it is that they're very polite, and they will carry your guitar to the dog and cat area where it's pressurized, and it'll sit in a very self- safe place, and they'll hand carry it back to you when you get off the plane. 
So it never goes on the luggage rack and tumbling down the luggage rack. It's hand carried to you back at the gate. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Right. That's like probably safer than being on the plane with people <laughs> shoving their suitcases. Right, no, that's true. So, and that's why so I, they're very nice. Right. And, 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 and besides, now I have an SKBK, so... SKB case, so even if they do check it, it's not going to get damaged. It's not too bad, yeah. Only thing I worry about is it getting lost. Mm. I remember when I was with Joe, Gerald Veasley's base ended up, go, we, were, we were flying from Philly to New York, his base ended up in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like New York. <laughs> it's like, well, it's pretty much the same. Kind of their version of New York, <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, oh, it's a, sorry, sir. We have to inform you that um, your base is in Tokyo. Well, at least they oh. knew where it was. Wow. And, you know, I know some guys that are starting to put those, uh, you know, those little GPS like the tiles yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, so, like, if it gets lost. You can track it. It'll track. Speaking of Gerald Beasley, here's a funny road story. Um I lost my bag in the back of a taxi with my passport in it Ooh. in Austria. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I had to go to the embassy to get a new passport because we were leaving like the next day to go somewhere else. And I did all this stuff. I missed sound check. I went all this stuff and did all the red tape. And finally they said, well, the only thing we're missing now is we need somebody to verify your identity. Another American with an American passport to verify who you say you are. No problem. So I called the venue and Gerald comes to my rescue, the bass player. And he walks into the office and, and I'm sitting there and the, 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 uh, what do you call them? The ambassador right. says says to Gerald says we just need you to identify Scott Henderson so we can issue his passport and Gerald goes cool where is he <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like god damn it man this is not the fucking time <laughs> Guitar Wikipedia Briggs, uh, Bruce this week. Who we got? Who we bring into the the list of amazing players that people should know? There's a guy named Whit Smith. W H I T Smith. Whit Smith. Whit Smith, and he's a great swing style player. Right. Plays in a band called Hot Club of Cowtown. <laughs> Man, they're great, and he I is he is just phenomenal kind of coming out of a Charlie Christian but more out of the George Barnes place which these may be names you're not aware of and everybody should check out those two people uh, as well George Barnes and Charlie Christian but Witt's got his own little way of doing it and uh, it's not little it's big and he's a dear friend and He's got some of his own solo stuff out, but most of what you'll hear with him is Hot Club of Cowtown, where they really brought Western swing and old-style swing, and they've kind of put a new twist on it, and it's really exciting. Music. Now, even more so than Cowbop? Like, in a different again well, than Cowbop? With, with my band Cowbop, we, we kind of bring in a lot more bebop. Right. And, and that kind of jazz mm-hmm. to Western swing. They're right. not. They're coming more out of the old-style swing place, and he plays through an old Gibson amp from the 30s or 40s oh, wow. and he's got an old L5 and in a DRMin that you know just sort of attaches it's just he's just it's got a very special sparkle to his playing that is really the hallmark of great music 
Damn. And where where can we find him? Wit lives in Austin. Oh, he's in Austin, Texas. And okay. again, uh, there's tons of YouTube, and he's got it. He just put out his own little record too. I think it's an EP. But uh, he's on a lot of records with Hot Club of Cowtown. It's it's something everybody will enjoy and get a lot out of. Cool. All right. Until next week, Wankopedia. You guys, you guys ever played Russia? Everything is not possible. <laughs> Let me in tell Russia. you something, man. I love playing in Moscow. I, it's one of my favorite places to play. I love it. But crazy, there man. has some crazy, some crazy shit has gone down. We got stopped by the cops, and they wanted six hundred dollars. Yeah, no just passport. Like, no, no, just for speeding. Oh, okay. The guys who were bringing us to the gig were speeding to get yeah. to the gig, and they the cops stopped us, and they just they said six hundred. They wanted a certain amount of Russian money, and I said, "Well, how much is that?" And they said, "It's six hundred dollars in American." <laughs> I go, "You're going to give them six hundred dollars?" And they did. And they said, "Yeah, you know, it's like we carry a lot of cash. If we get stopped by the cops, yeah. you got to pay them." Pay your so way. They, so they paid them six hundred bucks, and we were on our <laughs> way. <laughs> it was like okay. I nearly died in Russia so many times in really? Moscow. Because we get picked up at the airport and the drivers, and for some reason, every driver thought it was imperative that they get us to the hotel as quick as possible. And it's just, it's worse than the 405. Right. And it's just dead traffic. And they're up on the nature strip, the, the footpath. And I mean, I've got videos of us. I thought we we're going to die. Just, it's just crazy. And these guys are just going for it. You know, the, the first Nuts. time I went to Russia, it was such a huge experience for me because both, you know, me and you, we were brought up in the Cold War, so they were the enemy, right? Yeah, I never thought in a million years that I'd ever get to go play in Russia. Yep. So, you know, they pick us up at the airport. We're going to give you a tour. What do you want to see? And, and we're like all, what do you think we want to see? We want to see the KGB building, man. We want to see where people's got their balls electrocuted, <laughs> right? Take us to the fucking KGB shit. <sighs> so they take us there, and here we are looking at the KGB, KGB building, and over here's Tony Roma's, and over here's Victoria's <laughs> Secret, and over here's McDonald's. <laughs> You know, here's a TGI Fridays. Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit, man, this is a little disappointing. <laughs> Red Square. I did one of the stupidest things in the world. I uh, I was working in Finland, and it was a big jazz festival there. It was really fun, and wasn't too far from Russia. The guy there were there were Russian guys that could come over and play there, because it was wasn't far from Saint Petersburg, you know, which was actually called Leningrad at the time, and. Uh, we got, we, of course, we were doing Akavit and drinking and playing together and having a ball. They said, ah, Bruce, you should come visit our friends. Let's go. We'll go home to Russia. We'll, there's a club that's open all night long. We'll go play there. We'll be back in time for breakfast, you know. I'm going, where? He goes, Russia. You come with us to Russia. We come to Russia. And I was like, I was so drunk. I said, okay, we'll go to Russia. <laughs> I got in the car and we're going. And then I realized, like, it doesn't matter if I have an American passport. It's worse than if, I mean, I'm better off without my passport. You know? And they're like, oh, here comes the guard house or something. Bruce, lay down in the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like laying down in the footwell. And I got through and we had this great party. And then we came back across. It was like, I could have just 
I could still be over in a prison right now. <laughs> it was like the dumbest thing I ever did. But it was fun as hell. Right. But, and, you know, they go, we know the guy in the guard tower, you know, and like we got in. Did you know that guy? No, I've never seen him before. <laughs> and they're just like these, you know, blo- boi- you know, boisterous, blustering Russians. I, t- I toured Russia in the middle of winter on the Trans-Siberian train. Ouch. Cold. Well, it's just cold and ridiculous. Everything yeah. is pitch black. Yeah. And we'd, we'd play a show, play a stadium, get back on the train and travel 30 hours to our next gig. Mm-hmm. And it was just... And they'd stop the train in the middle of nowhere and all these soldiers would get on and passport, please, passport, you know. And it was just... And I remember us guys, we walked from one end of the train to the next. It's, it's all the, the whole carriages. And we walked through where we, I guess we were in the rich part of the train. We each had our own room with a mate. But we walked through the other part of the train and it was seriously like you would see in the old concentration camp days with like 400 people in one cabin just all standing there and we're walking through and I'm, I've got my phone and I'm video and everything. And it's just, ah, oh, it stunk and it was just so... They, <laughs> but they, they weren't even up, sitting down? No, it was like, it was bunks and it was just people packed in and it uh-huh. looked like i'd step back in time to the concentration camp days it uh-huh. looked that bad right. and i'm walking through and we're walking through on these <laughs> our rock clothes and our our fancy cameras right. and and it just stunk the stunk was but just... you've played moscow right i played the red square played yeah the red so square you know how much fun that is man. yeah that's a great party fun. in town no, moscow is like a super party in town we went to clubs where I think every woman was just like a Victoria's Secret model. Oh, like yeah. Phenomenal looking yeah. women. Very good looking. But at night, incredible place. But during the day, it just had this underlying corruptness, evilness about mm. the whole city. It's like, I love Moscow. Maybe it's because I'm evil. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's I, an interesting I, did, place. I just remember the very first time that was the biggest experience because it was such an incredible... For me an opportunity like to yeah. even see it because i never thought that? oh man like at least 20 years ago i guess oh, wow. so you were back so, when it was even yeah and different. it was like wow this is incredible i get to go to russia i remember we were touring around in the car and one of the guys from russia said here's statue of lenin and i said oh john lenin and he <laughs> laughed and they laughed they all laughed <laughs> there is such a good sense of humor and i remember being on stage we had some wiring problems on stage there was a ground hum coming from someplace so we're all trying to fix it and the russian guys from the the band that was playing before us were up there and i was up there and we all had our soldering irons and trying to shave off wire and working together and i said we're just like the astronauts and the cosmonauts working together <laughs> to get back to Earth. <laughs> they were just, shut the fuck up, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> not possible. Not possible. Get back to ground. <laughs> right. Everything was not possible. so much fun. Last time I played in Moscow. Uh, you were just Moscow, there, weren't you? Yeah, with Lenny White on drums, who is absolutely the funkiest drummer ever. What a badass drummer that guy is. Amazing. And uh, Jeff. And Jeff Berlin, we were playing trio. And Bill Evans was there. The saxophone player was there and his whole band. Uh So it was a big party the whole night. In fact, I got to ask Bill Evans that night because he's on the North Sea Festival with the Hiram Bullock, the famous Hiram Bullock video where he jumps off the stage and he can't get back up. Oh, I right? seen that. So that was Bill Evans' gig. Oh, cool. And I got to ask Bill. I said, Bill, when that happened, 
and you knew that people were videotaping that, did you know right at that instant that that was going to be the most viral guitar video ever? And he said, fuck yeah, I did. (laughs) I was laughing my ass off. I said, this is going to be on YouTube all over. What is it? It's just great. It's a great video of Hiram. He, He jumps off. There's a stage in two tiers. I should really tell people this. I'm not gonna because you need to go see it. Go to YouTube, look up Bill Evans and drums. Okay. And use the little and sign instead mm-hmm. of the word and. And you'll come across this video. <laughs> and it's you it's priceless. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. And it's wonderful. And I Hiram was a great friend of mine and I loved the guy. And and this is just one of his funniest moments ever. Because he had gained some weight and he basically had jumped down about two levels to go play in the audience with his wireless, right? And then when he tried to get back on stage, some funny shit happened. And I'm talking extremely funny. And it was seen by 5,000 people at the North Sea Jazz Festival. And Bill Evans was standing there watching it. And you've got to see it to believe it. It's I can't awesome. Wait to watch that. you got to see it. Incredible. <laughs> Is there it's some classic YouTubes of, of you guys? Anything crazy? Yeah, there's tons of old stuff. Tons of bad solos for me. Yeah. <laughs> really bad solos. I was solo. in this band that was real histrionic with Richie Cole, and there's a bunch of stuff when I was a kid playing with him. There was this piano player named Bobby Enriquez who was sort of a mixture between Art Tatum and Bruce Lee. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 and, it's a uh, good mixture. He would karate chop the piano. He was he was a Filipino cat, Bobby Enriquez, and uh, played really great. But he would like be like playing bongos on there, and then he'd be karate chopping the piano and playing the most out shit and just sort of. It was really kind of difficult to play with him at times because he was just so busy and full and would take the music in this crazy direction. But there's a number of old videos of him that are just. He's quite dynamic, I guess. <laughs> I love it. Some shit. Yeah. I got some shit that I just don't even want to talk about. Yeah. Our, our last tour started in Sweden. Then we went to sick. Moscow. Then we went all the way to Kazakhstan. Mm. And then back to Norway. So I that's some Kazakhstan. good routing right there. Yeah. Almonte? Is it Almonte? Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan, where yeah. Borat's from. Yeah, I, w- I went to Kazakhstan. I played Kazakhstan. Yeah, we were in the city, uh, Almaty. Yeah. Almaty, yeah. and it's right on the edge of China. Yeah. So it's pretty far. We had a gig in Mongolia, but it got cancelled. That would have been a fun gig. It got cancelled because the the I guess the prime minister or the president of Mongolia had they had a, like a fair and they couldn't we couldn't get the showgrounds or something. Mm. But that would have been a fun gig. But yeah, mm-hmm. I've played a lot of Eastern Europe. Yeah, I've too. Czech Republic, tons, tons of gigs in Czech Dude, Republic. Latvia. I played Latvia and Riga mm-hmm. back, this is early 2000s. They had wireless internet, fast wireless internet through the whole city back then. Really? And like, <laughs> for free, everyone was on, and this is Where? Eastern Riga and Latvia. Okay. Right next to Russia. Wow. And they were wireless. We could not believe it. We go to Germany, we'd have to pay like 30 euros an hour in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And in Riga and Latvia, it was free throughout the whole city. Unbelievable. <laughs>
Lol. <laughs> yeah. Well, this would be a good time for a commercial announcement. Folks, we'd like to let you know that our T-shirts are available as are our coffee mug, Guitar Wink. No family is complete without having at least a matching set of these things. Also, take a picture of yourself in a great location, put it on our Facebook, and bam! What happens? What prizes you could win. You can win uh, a Wireworld guitar cable, which is like, I think retail is over a hundred dollars. It'll make, yeah, it'll make you, can, you sound you like can, Scott Henderson. You could melt the sucker down <laughs> and fill people's teeth. That is so years. good. You um, so good. What's a jackrabbit tr- tremolo pedal from Sir? These are pretty badass prizes. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and then a triple play uh, MIDI converter for your guitar from Fishman. Fishman. Okay. Um, you could win. Uh, oh, an exotic RC booster. My. Um, Scott I have a Henderson. copper Scott Henderson model RC booster waiting to be given away. It's in my closet. No way. Are you going to sign this pedal? It's already. I already signed it. Will you sign it twice? I'll sign it twice. <laughs> okay. But it's sitting there waiting waiting for the winner of this contest. Right. So so, so yeah. get a t-shirt you and need post a t-shirt. yourself with a good picture. Could you do the same thing with, I think, to, just to up the ante of this competition, I'm just going to probably blow your minds right now. Could you do the same thing with a mug? What? Mind blown. Do, yeah, but doing the same thing. Like, what are we talking about? Like, take I mean, if, you can get, if you can wear the mug, I'll tell you, I'll do more than give you an RC No, booster. if you take a picture of you and the mug in a, in a fantastic location. I'd say or, if you take a picture of yourself with any guitar wank product. Okay. In a weird enough, funny enough location. But I need to add that... I would like to see your wives and girlfriends in this contest because I think that would you have an even better chance of winning. I think that would probably it, help sway the judges. And, and, and how would you you just post this onto our you Facebook must post page. this on our Facebook page and hopefully and that's, that's Guitar Wake Facebook and while you're there, why don't you give it a lick? I mean a like. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is... You can lick it, too, if you want, I guess. But, I mean, really, the like is what we're going for. Uh, some of the other prizes, uh, Bruce Foreman CD. Yeah. Scott Henderson CD. You guys will sign that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. A set of strings. Set to, of strings. To our specifications. Yeah. And made by Daddario, one made of by our sponsors. Daddario. And do you guys... I'm going to give away a set of all low E strings. <laughs> Which would be high E strings for me. <laughs> Now, do you guys restring? Do you come out and restring their guitars with the strings that they won? One. Yeah, if you buy the plane ticket and if you live in Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> we will. I think that's fair. I think what other prizes have we got? Um, I think that's it. That's some pretty that's serious good prizes. prizes. That's I mean, it. So oh, that's I'd say hurry and we up. Can't enter enter early and often. You, so in the the competition ends. June 1st. Well, well yeah, if you, unless we decide to make it go further. Yeah. There could be only five people entering this right. competition, well, you so know, everyone the, wins a prize. At the rate that so. these things are yeah. selling, it the, should, should well, be Well, we've nearly sold out of the mugs. Yes. 
We had 12. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, is this a and really... four broken shipping. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> what a high-profile show. I know. I mean, you know, yeah, these people just really are really supporting us. I appreciate it so much. Four mugs? That's yeah, man, amazing. Man, I just think that, you know, I just... Without worrying... Without, without pouring of warming cement has been most luscious. <laughs> that's a lot of support man four mugs that's yeah, man. amazing man that's i got i can't believe it it's um you know the coffee tastes great. better in the morning that's all do you know that i have a guitar wank mug and i haven't used it yet what? so i should probably use it you drink coffee yeah i know but i just it just looks stupid sitting there in my i don't <laughs> want to use that fucking thing I, <laughs> why does it look stupid i do because it says guitar wank on it <laughs> okay it's, it's brilliant <laughs> It's brilliant. You know, no, I will eventually. It's just because I've just been... It's heavy. I'm having back problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's heavier than the other mugs. I'm having some back well, issues. Well, because it's made of quality. That's yeah, why. It's just too hard for me to lift it. <laughs> In a week or so, when physical therapy gets... you know, I'll, I, I'll end up using it. I won't drink out of anything else, to be honest. It's, it's <laughs> that amazing. Wow. <laughs> So we have, it's a hell of a competition, so make sure you get your t-shirt or your mug and take an amazing picture and post it. That's all we want, really. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, can we, oh, we can't talk about that yet. Well, (laughs) are you going to do that later? No, I'll say goodbye now. Well, see you later, bitch. (laughs) You you said that last time. Now you sound like a soundbite. You've got to come up with something different. Okay. Okay. no, I haven't said goodbye yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That, well, gentlemen, that's uh, our show. And um, we hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it as much as we didn't. And uh, we will see you next week. For I don't even know what episode this is. This might be... 9 or 10 or 14 or 72. Or... 78. Um, yeah, we'll see you later. Scott, it's always a pleasure. See you later, bitch. <laughs> So, Bruce, Lancelot. Well, of all the podcasts I've done, this is one of them. (laughs) Now we're going to play one of your your, your outtakes of you guys playing together. Now you want to hear me really fart? (laughs) Great. (laughs) Give me some ice, bitch.